Today we continue our series of messages, uh, foreigners living in a world that is not our home, knowing that our home is in heaven, should change the way we live. Last week we introduced that, that it should impact us and we should wake up every day and say, I'm on a short-term missions trip today. And over these series of messages, we are going to address issues that we have to face every day. The reality is, is this, that living in this world requires a lot of faith. And we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. When we have a chance to trust in Jesus, knowing that he has gone before us, prepared the way, we live differently. And so we have an opportunity while we're here to show Jesus that we trust him. And when we walk in the path that he has provided for us, we begin to experience things that we could never experience on our own. On my most recent mission trip to Cambodia and Thailand just a few weeks ago, we experienced trusting in God in a fresh way. We had to navigate through waters that we hadn't planned on navigating through. In order to do that, you you have to trust God by faith to do so. We had three flights that took us, ended up in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We flew from Chicago to Qatar, from Qatar to Bangkok, and from Bangkok to to Chiang Mai. The first leg of that flight is, is six and a half hours. The second leg of that flight is almost 14 hours. And if you've ever spent 14 hours in any space, that's a long time. And then we had to fly from there into Chiang Mai to, to meet our ride and to see our rescued orphans. On the first leg of the flight, we flew. And when we landed, we found out that we were 25 to 40 minutes behind the boarding time of the next flight we had to catch. Now, when you're with a group of 12 people, it's a challenge to navigate with your wife through an airport, let alone with 11 other people now through an airport. As soon as we landed, we saw a clerk that was standing there with our flight number pointing the direction in which we should go. And she said, run. So... We understood that. It didn't take Thai language to break that down or the language that she was speaking at that moment. And so we looked at the team and we had just flown for six and a half hours and we were running through an airport. She was in her pumps and she had a two-way radio. And as we were running, I was making sure that there was someone at the back of our group. Some, I was in the front of the group keeping an eye, making sure we didn't get lost through the airport finding our way there. And finally, we got to the desk and they scanned our boarding passes quickly. And we entered the airplane and they held the airplane for 25 minutes for us. And everybody, everybody that was on that airplane just loved that. They just totally loved that. As we boarded this plane, and by that time, everyone had taken our seats. They took all the aisle seats. They were laying stretched out. They thought they, they had open seats. We got on, and we got every look under the sun that you can imagine. So that backed that flight up. The next flight was a tight flight, which meant we were in the air 13 and a half, 14 hours. When we landed with this flight, I had already set my watch ahead of time, you know, leading the group and looking at the time we're landing, and I realized we're 40 minutes behind on this flight. Now, after flying almost 14 hours and going to a dead sprint, that's not easy for some on their bodies. We had compression socks on. We drank lots of water. We land, and there stood a clerk again, standing with our group, pointing this way, and she says, run. (laughs) Now, as we're running through the airport from one end to the other, literally, 
it was almost a mile from one end to the other. And we're running, and our group is trying to do their best, and some run quicker. I, this lady, she was booking. I loved every second of it. But not everyone loved every second of the way that she was moving. And I wanted to be a good leader. And, and about halfway through, I said something to her. I said, ma'am, I don't think we're going to make it. We'll have to rebook. And about the time I was going to say that, she received a call from the clerk and said, the flight has already taken off. So we're in the airport. Flight has taken off, and now we have to rebook our flights. So we go to rebook our flights, and while we're rebooking our flights, we had to take care of an unplanned thing that we weren't planned for with, with our team, which required us to go to an area in the airport that was outside of the airport. So we had to exit the airport. We went outside and took care of it and came back. And because of that, we now, the flight that we were booked with was already had already flown. So we had to go back and rebook another flight, but we also were now domestic instead of international flying, which meant that we would be on a flight flying domestic instead of international. And the possibility of our luggage had already left on international. And if you've ever landed in an airport, there's domestic and international, which meant the possibility that our luggage would be an international and we would have to go through the domestic port of an airport. Complications. As we land, six to eight hours, six hours later, eight o'clock at night, our children by then, it was past their bedtime and they were still waiting. I had to communicate with them. We landed and as we're walking out of the airport or down through the airport to our baggage, it had been a pretty long day for our team. And so I prayed this prayer, Lord, because one of the teammates said, what if our luggage doesn't make it? I said, well, you plan. We always plan. We put an extra change of clothes in our backpack so that we can wear those. I said, we'll get our luggage. It'll get figured out. And as we were landing and walking to the baggage claim, one of them said, what if they got our, our baggage messed up and it's in domestic instead of, or international instead of domestic? I said, it'll work out. God has our backs. So we're walking along and I'm walking up to the, the, the turnstile there where the luggage is coming out. We were in the domestic end and I just prayed this prayer, Lord, it's been a long day. Help us to find our luggage. So I looked ahead, and, and, and I saw that the clerk wasn't there for baggage claim. And meanwhile, the luggage is just starting to come out, and we're walking over. Our team is coming over, and this lady walks up to me. After I had just prayed the prayer, Lord, help us to find our luggage. She came up. She says, hey, I know you. And I thought, I don't know you. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know her. She says, I remember the last time you flew here over a year ago. I mean, this face, like, <laughs> there were a lot of Americans there. There were a lot of Europeans there. And she says, I remember you. And she said, the last time you landed, I remember when you were here a year ago. I said, you do? And she says, oh, yeah. And she says, oh, your luggage isn't here. It's down in domestic. And she said, there's no reason to stand here. Just come with me. So she opens up every gate. We go through all the back doors, sideways, down the aisle. We wave at the kids as we're going through. And she took us to an area clean on the other side of the airport where there were 15 bags of luggage just spinning around. We grabbed our luggage and went out and met our kids. I tell you all that to say this. The Lord has a plan for our lives. And if we asked him and trust him and bring him in, to the plans of our lives, God has a way to do things that we could never manufacture on our own. The odds of that lady working that shift 
and us being six hours later than what we're supposed to be, and her remembering this, the odds were astronomical, but they're not for God. And we're going to see a story today where a group, a family, an individual, a person, is given the task to find a bride for a son in a foreign country, fully trusting that God could somehow provide, and this would be the woman that his master wanted to marry. Grab your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 24, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. And if you need a Bible, I encourage you, if you didn't bring a Bible to church, we read the Bible here at Grace Community. Hold your hand up. We'll put one in your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, you can take this Bible home with you. But turn to Genesis chapter 24 and stand with me. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Genesis 24, verses 1 through 9. Would you read this with me as we read it out loud together? Genesis 24, verses 1 to 9. Ready, read. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from the oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. You may have a seat. One of the things that we're going to see from this account in our lives when we step out in faith and try to navigate through territory that we've never been to And one of the things we need to wake up every day and remind ourselves of, as we talked about last week, is that the mission for you and I never ends until you end. We should always be on mission and we should always be trusting in God in the journey that we face every single day. I wish somehow in every room of Christians there was ability, maybe we put something on our ceiling that says, You have just entered the mission field of this day. Every morning when we wake up, it would be a reminder that we are on a short-term missions trip. God has granted us an opportunity to live this life in this place that's not our home. Don't get too attached to it. We're only passing through, but we're supposed to reach as many people as we can. And in order to do that, we have to walk by faith. And so he gives us these episodes of faith ventures to build our faith to trust in him. And trusting God has no finish line. By the way, context of this story. Abraham is very old right now. Sarah, his wife, is dead. And we know he was old 
when he and Sarah had a child at Greencroft in their hundreds. You remember that story. He was already very old. Now, his son Isaac is 40 years old, doesn't have a wife, and Abraham wants this servant to go find Isaac a wife. Because Abraham had been blessed in Genesis earlier, and the blessing was upon his life, that he would be gad, he would have children, that the Lord would bless for ages and ages and ages. But his son isn't married. And so he wants his son to get married so that he knows the lineage continues and the blessing of multiple families and generations would live on planet earth. So he encourages him, his servant, go find a wife, not a Canaanite woman with the group that I'm living with now. Bring her back here and don't take Isaac there. And don't tell him you're going there. Isaac doesn't and isn't aware that Abraham is sending his servant off to find him a wife. The mission, this mission is challenging for very many, many reasons. It was unfamiliar territory for the servant probably with different customs, maybe spoke a different language. The culture of this servant was going to be exposed to. He had to familiarize himself with. And he would have no idea how it would completely work out. All he knew, go find a wife, go to this land, and bring me back a woman that's not a Canaanite woman so that my son can marry. Be prepared for the unexpected to happen. And this meant, quite frankly that this servant didn't know what was next. He would just step out in faith and trust God in this account. One of the things we do when we lead mission trips, and one of the things I do when I lead mission trips, I, I, I always say this to the teams. I'll say this. You are going to ask me and want to ask me over and over again, and sometimes multiple times in a day, what's next? It's innate in us. We, we're planners. And some of us are control freaks. And sometimes when we take these mission trips, one of the things that's really good about them is that we don't know what's next. And so when they ask me, I tell them this. When you ask me that question, you'll come up to me and you'll want to ask, hey, Jim, what's next? I will say, I don't know. I don't know. And so by the end of the trip, multiple times people will ask. And by the end of the trip, when someone asks, the team goes, I don't know. But God knows we'll just respond in that moment and be flexible to do whatever God wants us to do. So the servant has a task at hand. Look at verse 10. Look what he does with it. Verse 10. Then the servant left, taking with him 10 of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram, Naharam, and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well, Outside the town, it was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Now, let me just give you some important information here. This didn't happen in one night. This journey, because he was walking and taking caravans of camels along with him, probably took several months to take place. It was hundreds of miles. So the timing of God had to be perfect. And the timing of God is always perfect. So in order for him to meet the woman that God wanted and the woman that would be the wife of Isaac, he had to arrive at the perfect time. It would require a great 
<laughs> a great strategy by our God to make that happen. Because it wasn't on one day. It was many days. So one of the hardest things for him was to trust God in the journey. But I always remind myself of this when I'm trusting God or stepping out into unknown territory. The moment we get overwhelmed with God's goodness or guidance and not our own doubt is the moment we walk in faith and not in fear. So I often pray this prayer, Lord, help me to rely on you. Help me to know that you can guide me, that your plan in place is better than any plan I could ever manufacture on my own. And the moment we get overwhelmed with the fact that God is guiding our lives, he has charted out our lives, that his plan is in motion, and all we have to do is step in faith and believe it, then we are walking in faith. Let me paraphrase that and bring it to language today. If we trusted God the way we do our GPS, life would require less Pepto-Bismol. It's the truth. I mean, think about the way you, you do rely and trust in your GPS. You'll pull out your phone and you'll pull up Google map or you'll pull out, if you have an iPhone and you'll pull up the map and you'll type in address, you'll talk, Siri, I want to go here. So you just hold it in your hand or you put it on the dash of your car and she says, turn left, turn right in one mile turn. And you're just listening to her. And thank you. Thank you. Maybe you don't like her. Make a U-turn. You don't like it when she says make U-turn. But you're traveling along, fully relying upon this voice. And you can change the voice, but it's a voice speaking, say, go this way. And some of us rely so much on this GPS, we don't have a clue where we're at. But we believe we're going in the direction we're supposed to go. What if, what if we took that same faith and did Isaiah 30, 21, when it says, whether I turn to my right or my left, my ears will hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. God has the perfect GPS system. It's us listening and walking in faith. So what happens? He gets there and look at his plan. Verse 12. He begins by praying. Look what he says in verse 12. Then He prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me what today? What's he say? Successful today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be, Lord, I pray, that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar, and may I have a drink. And she says drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, let me just pause here a second. This prayer, he's beginning to pray this prayer. He prays for success. You know, sometimes in Christian circles, we, 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 we struggle with that. Lord, you know, it, it doesn't matter if I'm successful or not. I just want to honor you. But the point is this. He prays this prayer. Lord, help me be successful. And God, not only that, bless and show kindness to Abraham and give me a sign that she is the one. 
And the sign is this. She will give me a drink. When I say this, she'll say that. And not only that, she'll water my camels too. Now, let me give you a little culture here. For 10 camels, most camels drink about 250 gallons of water. Now, I want you to think about that. If you had 10 camels there, and generally during this time, if you went to a well during this period of time in history, in biblical time, the buckets were normally about three-gallon buckets, which meant she would have to drop this bucket three gallons down and walk over and make repeated steps back and forth to feed the camels, which meant it probably took a couple hours for that to take place. It's quite a request. It's like saying, Lord, I'll believe if you, if you not only have her give me a drink, but you feed my whole family and the whole neighborhood too. And she's willing to do that. And the only way that could ever happen if God was moving in her heart to bring those two lives together. I love praying those specific kind of requests because you know that the only way it can happen is if God does it. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. The servant had great confidence that the Lord could do this. I love living this way. And I love the fact of how God responds to him. And he prays and asks God to come through for him. Behind the affairs of your life and my life stands an almighty God without any equal or rival. I want you to think about that for a second. God has no equal. And sometimes we have to really be careful when we talk about Satan and we talk about God. Let me just give you some some understanding here. Sometimes we think, well, God is good. Satan is evil. God is as strong as good can be. And Satan is is as strong as evil can be. And their strength is comparable. Like somehow, like God has to really work to duke Satan out. Like he has to really give his best. And like, it's almost like this comparable strength that they have. Listen to me. That is not the case. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Satan, hear me out, is a created being. And there is a creator called God. And no created being can ever be as strong as a creator. He is limited. He can only do what God allows him to do in this world and in your life. So there's no way that Satan is God's rival. It's impossible. Why do I tell you that? Because there's nothing that you and I will face that God can't overcome in your life and bring victory if it's his plan for your life. My hope is this, that we walk through this series, that you will see that it's a short-term missions trip, and not only that, that God is with us wherever we go, and when we trust in him and we call upon him, he will answer us and show us unsearchable things that only he can do for us. I love Jeremiah 33.3, it's worth repeating. Call unto me and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. What's that mean? Here's what that means. Think about it. Here's what that means. We call into God. So you, you, you grab your computer. You grab your iPhone, your mobile device. You go to the internet, and you want to find something. So you search. You place in. 
Yesterday I was looking at a pump. I needed to see how I could fix a pump. So I Googled this pump and this model. Thousands of things came up, requests, all kinds of or answers. And, and so I read it. You could type in all kinds of things on Google. You could type it in and immediately you might have a thousand, a hundred thousand pages to come up on some things. And you could type it in and, and you could search, search, search. The search engine Google gives you all kinds of things. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, that if we call unto God, he will show us great and unsearchable things that Google can't find. His search engine is unmatched. And so the moment you call on him, and this servant is doing that, God says, I'm going to bring a woman by a well, and it's going to take maybe 60 days, and I'm going to make sure she is there. And not only that, I want to remind you of this. Look at verse 7. We read this, but look back at verse 7. Before he left, Abraham said this to this servant. He said, look at the second half of verse 7. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. God holds himself responsible to guide your life. I have to admit, as I was reading this account this week, I wondered how this angel worked and how he works in your life. Sometimes we get really ticked off by delays or we get ticked off by, by flights that don't get us where at the time we're supposed to get there. And if we're not careful, if we don't realize that God is in complete control and that he's sending angels ahead of us to, to direct our path. Some of us, we don't, we don't like this happen. We miss our friends and we think this isn't good because we feel delayed. We're not getting what we want. But I picture this angel this servant is 60 days potentially, 30 to 60 days in motion. And maybe there were days he, he, was, he was opening the gate and keeping so that he could get through. And maybe there was moments that this gal, Rebecca, who will soon become the wife of Isaac, there were moments that, that she wanted to go to the well, maybe the day before, and he held her back. I don't know. But that day, somehow, he cleared the way. This angel, invisible angel, came along. And, and at the moment that God wanted to happen, he allowed this angel to take the events of this servant's life and of this woman's life and bring them together. And I got to admit, I wonder how God is working in your life right now by his angels. I wish, I wish with all my heart that you and I could fully grasp that we're spirit beings with the spirit God, with the spirit enemy, and we have spirit servants called angelic messengers. I wish right now you and I could open up the heavenlies and look at the spirit world and what you would see. You would be shocked by how angels are defending and fighting for you. You would be shocked, and I would be shocked to look past our, this past month of our life and, and think, man, that's why I got delayed. Because if I would have taken another step or drove down that street, this might have happened. And that's why I didn't get that job. Because God was saying, I don't want you there. I want you there. That's why this door was closed. That's why this ended. That's why I'm standing here in an uncertain path. Because tomorrow, he's opening this path. If we could see how God is working, we would be blown away. But here, hear me out. God is working that way. But it takes faith to believe it. You see, God has already has the answer. He's just waiting to deliver it to us. See, when we realize that God doesn't need to make time in his day to manufacture our answers for this day, and that he already has been to where we are going and has fully evaluated the situation and has already arrived at the best conclusion for your life 
and then he has it waiting for us to receive, we live differently. What do I mean by that? This, this servant prays. He says, Lord, would you do this? He believed by faith that he could. And God, from the foundation of the world, has already charted out our path. And not only charted out our steps, he's already standing at the finish line of our day before you and I ever got out of bed. He says, I am waiting for you to meet me here. But we need to step in faith. Instead of manufacturing and controlling, what's next? I'm going to make sure I take control. I'm going to make sure I do this. Instead of listening to Christ and the Bible and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So he answers this prayer. And the critical timing to this prayer is unbelievable. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. I love Isaiah 65, 24. It says, before they call, I will answer them. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And here it says in verse 15, before he finished praying, bam, there was Rebecca. Verse 17 says this, the servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too. Bam! Until they have enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, multiple trips, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey, what? What's it say? Successful. Without saying a word. God answered. And before he finished praying, like, I don't know where you're at right now in your journey. I don't know what you're hoping God will do. But what I know from this text and what I know from my journey and many of your journeys, when we call upon the Lord, he'll show us great mighty things we don't know. And before he finished praying, God had answered. A few years back, we were at the group from Grace here in we were going on a missions trip and we were smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong into China. And so I was with a group of people and we were, was leading that team and each morning we'd get up and we'd put Bibles in our backpacks and then we would put them in our backpacks and we would go through the, the, the checkpoint in China and then we would walk through China and go to this hotel and take this elevator up to this room and we would give these Bibles to this underground church in China. This guy would open a door who all he did was speak Chinese and you would go by yourself so that you wouldn't look like you're worth the group and you made sure not to talk with your teammates in China and then you would circle back and come back into Hong Kong and go back to the place where the Bibles were. And sometimes you would do this three to four times a day. On one of the trips there, as I was leaving the hotel room, getting on the elevator, you made sure you didn't get into too many conversations. The, the elevator stopped at a floor. 
And in walked this guy who had an Oakland Raiders at the time shirt on, big guy, strong, muscular, just big. He looked like a football player. And I I wondered if he was an Oakland Raider football player. I didn't say a word because I didn't want to give away what I was doing. And he didn't say a word either. And he got off and we got off and we went separate ways. The next day I made the trip, was coming down the elevator and I walked out into Guangzhou, China, and I'm walking down the steps from the hotel. And I noticed this man standing down in the flat part of this hotel area. So I felt compelled by the Spirit to go over and just talk to him. I feel like God was saying, Jim, I I want you to go talk to that man. So I made my way over, and I go over, and, and I wanted to be careful not to give away what I was doing because I didn't know who he was, and he didn't know who I was. So I walked up to him, and I introduced him. Hey, my name's Jim. What's your name? And he told me his name. I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, he said, um, I, I sell hair extensions. My wife has a business back in America, and I'm here trying to get new clients. And something clicked in my heart. It's, that, it's like when you know when you're with another believer and the Spirit bears witness with them, and you know in your heart that they're a believer. And, and, and so he asked me what I was doing. I said, oh, here, I'm here with the group, and we're just checking out China. And he began to grin, and I began to grin. And we both knew we were fabricating our stories. And so I asked him, I said, I, I just want to ask you, I said, you're a believer, aren't you? He said, I am. He said, you are too, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. And he pulled me aside and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, this morning, he said, I'm in China here encouraging underground churches. And he said, this morning I woke up, I was discouraged. He said, because the work is hard here. And I began to doubt whether or not God wanted me to continue to be here. He said, I was by myself and said, so I prayed this prayer. Lord, send me a messenger of hope today to tell me that you want me here. And by God's grace, he got to meet me. (laughs) But I tell you that, and listen, that's not because anything special about me. God used donkeys in the Old Testament to get his will done. But the point is this, when we pray, when we invite God into the picture, when we ask him to take control of our lives and to guide our path, he can do what we can never do on our own. This servant is experiencing this. God has never missed a divine appointment, but we do all the time. Look what happens next. She draws the water in verse 23. Then he asks, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. He answered the prayer that he had requested, and he has given God praise for it. But, but as for me, the Lord has led me on this journey to the house 
of my master's relative. The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. And as soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebecca tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then the food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. He stops and gives praise to God. Now, it's one of the things that I've been working as hard as I can over the last couple years of my life is to celebrate what God has done. Why is this important? Why did he praise God? Because here's what I know about praise. When you and I praise... Satan cannot stand in the same spot and on the same ground of a Christian praising Jesus Christ. Praise pushes back darkness. One of the disciplines I've put into place in my life is when I wake up each morning, the first thing that I speak is a praise to God. Why? Because it pushes back darkness. We overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And one of the things that I can do and you can do, especially as fathers, husbands, hear me today. Dads, you're the gatekeeper of your home. The best way to gatekeep your home and protect your kids and protect your wife is by opening your day with the praise. And by doing so, you push back the demonic forces that want to get a foothold in your house. So when your kids wake up and your wife wakes up, it is clean. Jesus is ready to receive them that day. Listen, we have responsibility as dads, as fathers and husbands. So he gives praise. And as you can see, things are progressing well for this servant. All the pieces appear to be in place. And he is about to head home with a potential bride. But meanwhile, Isaac, he doesn't know this is happening. Verses 34 to 49, Laban comes to him. He says, I need to know the story. I'm the brother. It's the brother coming, and he's making sure that his sister is taken care of. It's Josh and Hannah when they checked out Johnny, who Hannah's engaged to. Hey, we're checking you out. This is our sis. You got to go through us first. Laban is doing that. And so 34 to 49, he says, tell me how you got here. And so, so the servant says, hey, I prayed, and Abraham sent me, and I said, hey, give me a woman at a well, and she's a beautiful woman, and I even prayed that she would give me something to drink, and not only that, I said, Lord, if she's the one, then she'll feed my camels too, and you know what? Your sister fed my camels. Well, okay. She must be the one. And then it says this in verse 50 of chapter 24. Laban and Bethel answered, this is from the Lord. (laughs) We can say nothing to you one way or another. (laughs) Since it's from the Lord, we can't stop it. Well, she's yours. You see, God will never forget you, and he is ready to reveal his power for you in your time of trial and difficulty. How did this happen? Because this man moved from unfamiliar 
or moved into unfamiliar territory, fully trusting that God could make it happen. You see, we are control freaks as human beings. And some of you know that you are. We have planned out everything. We say, well, I'm going to let God work here. I'm going to plan this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and we're going to do that. And then we're going to go to church, and we're going to, after church, we're going to do this. What part of your plan has this piece that says, if my plan doesn't work out, then guess what? It really isn't God. What part of your plan has an only God kind of piece? Often we plan things for grace. We'll say, God, we're going to do everything we can. But Lord, if you don't do this, then we're going to look really, really foolish. You got to have that peace in your every day. You can't have everything figured out. Then why do you need God? Well, we need God if you can manufacture and do it all on your own. There has to be some element in your marriage. There has to be some element in your every day that you are in, in, in your business where you're saying, Lord, I can do this, but the only way we will be successful is if you do that. The servant moved from being comfortable to what he was capable of with God. Now, I want you to ponder and think on that thought. You see, lo- most of us love being comfortable staying in our comfort. But God wants us to push from comfort to what we're capable of. How can you ever know what you're capable of with Christ until you move from your comfort? Way too many of us live in our comfort. And God is saying, but you were capable of doing that with my power. And I just wonder when we stand at the Bema seat one day, if the Lord just doesn't reveal in some way, this is what I had This is what I longed. This is what you could have done for me. Praise God you did this. But if you've only walked out of your comfort, this is what you were capable of. May we never, ever, ever stay in our comfort and not find what we're capable of. The servant was willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So verse 57, after hearing the brothers talk and The mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so in verse 56. But he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master in verse 57. Then they said, well, let's just ask her then. So they called the young woman and asked her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I love the language here because it's It resembles saying, I do, in a wedding. I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and the Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands, and may your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. I love not only was Abraham's blessing going to be taking place through Isaac and Rebecca, but Rebecca was sent off with a blessing too. And these two blessings are going to collide. And hear me out. When we do what God wants us to do, we receive more from giving than receiving. I can't tell you how many times, and and I've heard your stories, how many times We've departed on a mission trip to do the work of the Lord and trust in him and try to be a blessing to others, but receive far more than we could ever give. Even just recently on the trip that we were just on, before we left, 
I was asked to take these letters to you. These are from our kids in Cambodia, two of them. The ones that you've rescued and that you give towards and you pray for. This is what happens when you step out in faith. This, this, is, this is what you receive. And this is what it says. Dear Grace Community Church, heart, heart. Hello, mom, dad, sister and brother. How are you? I always remember everyone. And I pray for you every day. I want to see you all. May God bless you all and have good health. Thank you for all. Bye-bye. We love you all. Another gal wrote this. Dear Grace Community Church, how are you every day? And me, I'm fine every day. I always pray for your job, and I hope you coming to visit us at BB2. I want to say I love you and miss you so much. I hope to see you soon. Thank you for your support. I love you. May God bless you all. Be always welcome. We love you. Jesus love you forever. That's the blessings that you receive when you step out in faith and believe that God will provide for you so that you can provide for them. Meanwhile, where's Isaac? So they take the gal, Rebecca. How's he going to respond? Look at verse 62. Now Isaac had come home, had come from Beer Lehe, Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. As he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Can you picture this scene? Just go slow motion right now. The music's kind of got like a chick flick. You can feel it coming in here. In verse 64, it says, Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done, and they lived happily ever after. No, verse 67, Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. And so she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. There can be great peace and incredible blessing. In moments of uncertainty and unfamiliar territory, if we fully trust Christ, if we believe by faith that he is in sovereign control of our lives, when we submit our plans to him and say, God, help me be successful by listening and following you. Oh, Lord, help us today. It's difficult to trust you and when things go south. When we live the majority of our lives working out our plans and climbing to the top and making it on our own strength. But God, I pray that today in a fresh way that we would realize that you are in complete sovereign control of our lives and nothing that we will face or are facing is too much for you. And by faith, you will guide us through it. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.